Well, hello and welcome to Virtual Team Dynamics, the Allfire podcast. My name is Francis Norman. I'm the founder and principal consultant here at Allfire. At Allfire, we specialize in helping you get the most from your virtual teams through understanding how your team members communicate and interact. This is episode number 44 of the podcast, and today we're going to be talking about how you know whether a virtual team is right for your project. So uh, some fairly interesting material to cover today. Um, As with all of our podcasts, there's an accompanying article on the All Fire website, so please do check it out for additional information. And while you're there, sign up for our regular newsletter, which comes out around about every fortnight. Um, Sign up for the podcast if you're interested and if you're not already a regular subscriber and find out a bit more about how we may be able to help you and your business. So the question of whether a virtual team approach is right for your project is is one which I have to say I don't think enough organisations and enough managers actually ask themselves. For a long time there's been a real belief that you can make savings, you can do things quicker, you can do things easier by splitting where the work gets executed by adopting a virtual team approach by sending chunks of your project to another location where they will be executed. Um, Often that is true and often there are savings of time, sometimes savings of costs, uh, sometimes simply just access to the right skills which can be done and sometimes need to be done to, uh, to deliver your project on time and in the right manner. But equally, you really do need to consider whether you're doing it for the right reasons. You also need to consider whether your organization is configured and structured in an appropriate way so that you can deliver that work without the work itself killing your company or causing you major, major issues along the way. So I guess to start off with, when you look at the article there, we, we start out really by saying that there are there can be issues within an organisation where personnel simply do not believe in whether you're doing it the right way or not. They, they don't believe in virtual teams. Well, they believe in them, but they don't think that the virtual teams are actually there for the right reasons. A lot of people, if they're used to doing the work locally in their location, they're very used to that work being there and they're used to having the continual stream of work that they know will keep them busy and for some people that can be challenging when suddenly part of that work gets sent somewhere else and what they believe is to be their own work by right is no longer that case. Equally there can be real cultural and interpersonal issues that can get in the way and I've come across comments from people where they'll simply say oh look we can't get the quality we want if we go somewhere else they don't understand what we need if we go somewhere else and the best quote one of the best quotes I've come across in the whole of my career was someone who told me once that they being the people in the other office are all liars so there there are some real issues that need to be considered that need to be managed as you work along the path towards potentially going to a virtual team execution model 
So I would argue that there are four principal founding questions that you need to ask yourself and that you need to ask your organisation before you make the decision in terms of whether you are going to use a virtual team or not. And these four questions are why am I using a virtual team or why do I want to use a virtual team? Is my organisation set up to get the best from its virtual teams? Does my organisation support virtual teams? And finally, do my personnel believe in virtual teams? So those are the four questions. Now, one by one, why am I using a virtual team? Really, you need to know. You can't just do it because you see everyone else doing it. You have to have a fundamental driver as a, from an organisational perspective in terms of why you want to go this way. Now, the normal three answers to this and it can be a combination of these three, of course, would be to access skills not available in a single location. So you may need te technical specialist skills. You may need or you may need any number of different technical skills or different specialist skills that you just cannot get in the quantities and the quality that you need in your base location that, that drives you to look to get some of your work done somewhere else. The second one is to accelerate the execution of the project and this one can be quite a dangerous reason. There's a there's a, a belief in a lot of areas that basically if you continue to throw more and more and more people at a problem, eventually you will overcome that problem. Many projects, however, there is a there is a real law of diminishing returns that you can keep throwing people at the project, but it doesn't equate to a similar saving in terms of your overall schedule. The more people you add, the more management that they need, the more systems that they need, the more cost it incurs. And sometimes it can also bring with it a lot of rework and a lot of other problems as well. But that can be the second reason that a lot of people will say they use a virtual team to accelerate the execution of their project. The third one will be to maintain better utilisation across the business. And I've come across a few businesses which have really looked at virtual teams and, and their business structure and said they want to be present in a number of locations. They accept that they will not always have enough work in any one of those locations to keep all of their people busy. So what they've configured their business to do is to share the work willingly between offices and to actually go out with the intent from the very start to share that work. Now that's quite an unusual stance for an organisation to take, but for those who've done it and done it well, it's proved to be extremely effective. Then the fourth reason, of course, is the one which many, many, many businesses cite, which is to reduce the execution costs. And they believe that they're going to do this by sending a chunk of work to, an, to a location where the labour costs them less per hour than it does where they would normally do the work. Now this can again be a bit of a trap in as much as yes okay you send the work to a to a place where the labour is cheaper but the people in that location for all of their technical skills and abilities they'll they still need to learn the subtle locational differences that your business expects for wherever that work is being executed for. And now that can mean that their productivity is not as good as your normal productivity in the office where a particular piece of work would normally get done. So while you may be saving money on base labour costs, you find that you need to have more of that labour so your costs increase 
and sometimes you can actually find that the only way to actually do some of this work is to bring the work back to your home office because you run out of labour in the office where it's cheaper. But those are the main reasons and you really need to assess your project against those four questions and determine where you fit along each one of those and whether you're ready to actually go into virtual teams in that way. So the second question then is whether your organisation is set up to get the best from its virtual teams. Now, a lot of businesses think, oh yeah, virtual teams, it's the way to go, everybody's doing it, we've got systems that are robust that work very well for us in a single location, let's get on with this virtual team thing and it'll, and it'll be great. What they overlook is that they need to have an IT network that is structured so they can share work globally. Now, as time moves on and technology gets better, it becomes easier and easier to do that using uh, freely available um, freely available to the user platforms, things like Dropbox and so forth. But for many, many businesses, those are not secure enough. They need their own secure server systems. They need their own networks. They need the IT infrastructure there ready to be able to support them doing the work. They also need to know what the cultural differences are. They need to understand how the management styles vary between locations. They need to understand who and when and why they may need to move around from a personnel perspective so that people can understand where the work is going to be done. They also need to factor in the costs of establishing an office in another location and whether they're actually going to establish their own office or whether they choose to partner with the local in that location. So there are many, many reasons that people need to pause if they're looking at going toward a virtual team to make sure that their business is set up appropriately. One of the other points they need to consider as well, of course, is, is whether their systems and procedures and standards work across a business when it's put into a virtual team environment. A lot of systems are written with a cultural bias toward the location where the business is headquartered and those cultural biases can cause problems if you try and apply those same standards and procedures in a different location. So again you need to be very careful, you need to really pause and understand and sometimes make allowances to make these changes and it may be that you may decide that you want to go ahead with virtual teams at some point in the future you need to then make the appropriate allowances to build your organisation up to the point where it can deliver work in a virtual mode um, and to do it successfully. So the third question then is, does my organisation support virtual teams? Um, again, there can be organisations where the actual structure of the business is set up in such a way that it's almost like it was set up to fail. An organisation will have a reward structure for its senior managers based on profitability of local centres. Now that sounds all well and good, it's very conventional, it's the norm for many, many businesses to be structured that way. But when you consider that what that means is that each office is rewarded on work awarded in that location, if you want that people, those people in that location to do work for a different location, that reward structure may not recognise the contribution that those people are making to work being done elsewhere. So there, there can be some real challenges there from a corporate structural perspective. You need to understand from, a, from the top down, from the CEO and from the board right down, 
that sometimes you need to turn down work in one location so that the people in that location can continue to support work that they're doing for somewhere else. So you really need to think through carefully and clearly how these changes to an approach to move to a virtual team approach could impact on your local businesses in each location. Now there are ways around it. You can you can grow your organisation from a global holistic perspective to to account for some of these challenges. Um, you can you can change your reward structure, which is the way we would definitely advocate, so that people are recognised and rewarded not for the work that they do for their local market, but for the work that they do for the business, for the overall bottom line of the organisation as a whole. But again, that's not something which many businesses necessarily will consider from the start. And sometimes this this challenge of profit and loss and reward and so forth can actually inhibit not just cross-national border virtual teaming, it can also inhibit local virtual teaming where you may have several offices within a state or within a country and to share the work between them even can be a problem for it. So you really, really need to understand where the reward structure sits and how that reward structure will influence the ways that your different offices will interact with one another. And then the fourth one, which again is one which is often overlooked, is whether your personnel believe in, and believe in is maybe a strange term to use here, but whether your personnel are supportive of a virtual team approach. For many people working in in many of the developed parts of the world, virtual teams are seen as being a way where their jobs are being outsourced to other locations. Now, for a lot of people, that's quite confronting. For a lot of people, they see that as a negative And for many, many people, when it's seen as a negative, they'll actively work to undermine that work. They'll be resistant to it. They'll try and find reasons why they can't do things in particular ways. They'll come up with reasons why their particular piece of work must be done in their location and not sent somewhere else. They'll be overly critical of work that comes in from other locations and so forth. Um, And that can be very, very destructive those people will not communicate potentially with the people in the other locations, the people that you've charged as a manager with delivering that work. And if and once these sorts of barriers start to get put up, it can be very, very difficult to break them back down again. So there's a real challenge there for many organisations to convince their personnel that virtual teams can be good for everybody. Um, Yes, it can mean in the short term that some of the work opportunities disappear to another part of the country, another part of the city, another part of the planet. But in the long term, for an organisation, if they get it right, they can then bring work from other places back into these offices and it becomes much more of a global challenge than it is a local challenge. So when one location becomes quiet, they can then hopefully feed themselves using the work that they collect from other parts of the world which are busy. And then when the busy places become quiet, the flow reverses and the work moves in the other direction. This can also mean that personnel can become much more mobile, that you genuinely can start to deliver work on a 24-7 or a close to a 24-7 basis around the world. And it can mean that the work fronts and the work opportunities for the personnel become more and more 
attractive for them. You can find it easier to hire people, you can find it easier to keep people, and your overall profitability of your business, it, while it may not increase dramatically, what it can do is it can stabilize and it can become much, much, much more predictable because you're able to share the work around. Now, if you sit and you ask yourself all of these questions, and at the end of it, you're coming up with a lot of no's, then you really need to think very, very long and hard over whether you really want to continue along the path toward using a virtual team at this point. Because if you start to get no's in terms of, I don't know why I'm using a virtual team, I don't know if my organisation is set up to get the best from a virtual team, uh, my organisation is not configured to support virtual teams and it doesn't support them actively, and my personnel are very sceptical of it, if you find that you're getting those sorts of answers, then you really need not to take on a virtual team for your project. But if you start to find lots of yeses, or yeses and one or two noes, then you're in a position where you can really start to plan to be effective in a virtual team environment. And of course, if there's anything that we can do to help you along that way, then that's what we're here for. This is what we do as a specialist consultancy. We help organizations come up with ways where where they can be as effective as they can with their virtual team structures, with their communications, with how people relate, how people operate, how the business itself is set up to be as effective and as efficient as possible. So hopefully you've enjoyed this episode and if you have then please of course do check us out at our website which is www.ulfire.com.au and of course we'd love to hear from you. We'd also love of course for you to sign up for the podcast and to sign up for the newsletter and if you've enjoyed the podcast we'd really appreciate it if you were to pop over to iTunes and uh, and put a rating on there and give us a bit of feedback because we love to get feedback from people. It's what uh, it's what helps us to build the business. It's what helps us to understand what people need from us and how we can better serve our clients. So thank you very much for your attention today and I very much look forward to speaking to you in future podcasts. Thank you. Thank you.